Welcome to the next installment of the Yummy Coco Show. This is a pop culture variety show for your ear holes with sketches, music, interviews, and games. Today, poetry. I'm your host, Yummy Coco, a.k.a. Colette Prosper. I'm a comedy writer and filmmaker. On this show, we talk about everything from Zola um, that's now out in, in theaters. Please go see it. I put my mask on and did it. Uh, and then also to what's happening now in Haiti. Uh, so as of uh, today's Wednesday, um, July, I have to look at the calendar, the 7th, um, this is, and it's still a developing story, but the country's president has been assassinated in a very gruesome and horrific nighttime home attack. Um, there are profound structural is- issues happening. It's a multidimensional problem. Um, this has been building for a while now, and there are certainly going to be some dark days ahead. Uh, but always remember that Haiti is the first and only country to successfully gain independence in 1804 after a slave rebellion. It is um, it was the Haitian Revolution that led to the Louisiana Purchase um, and to the liberation of much of Latin America. Simon Bolivar sought help from Haiti. Look it up. Again, Haiti is the first black led nation in the world and they have been punished for it ever since so that's all i'll say about the matter um and we'll see how it unfolds uh but it's very uh it's horrible and my heart goes out to my family um that are that are there and that are um having to deal with it firsthand um it's not an easy situation um so but this episode is about freedom and self-acceptance in lieu of games we're going to hear poetry from guest pages matam and tiana bratcher um they're incredible artists i so appreciate them coming onto the show uh also sean made a poetry theme song you you'll hear that later uh but first up some housekeeping if you like the show please rate and review this is how you can help people to find the show um, so let's kick off the show with a replay of the sketch called Haitian Uncle in a Closet. Sketch. Oh, hey, Vet. Oh, Annie, I love your new house. Thanks. You know, I'm, I'm glad you're a little bit late. I, I didn't have enough time to tidy up the place. It's fine, Annie. It looks nice. Yeah, I love it. Um, let me show you around. This is the bathroom. This is the bedroom. I got these cool faucet thingies on Etsy. Ooh, nice. So fancy. What's that? 
Oh, um, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe some kind of like faulty pipes. You know, wasn't that such a scary moment in Mayor of Eastwood with those girls stuck in that room? I, I mean, I can't get over, um, you know, their accents. Like, uh, like my, my my dirter was murdered over water. It's so weird, right? Like, let's go. There it goes again. Oh, yeah, I know. That noise is so annoying. Um, let's just get out of here and get, you know, we can get some tacos. Let's get tacos. Um, don't you want to find out what that sound is about? It's weird. It sounds like you have someone hiding in here, sis. What? No way. Nah. It sounds like it's coming from that closet. No, don't go in there. I need to know. Oh, mon autre Pierre. Oh, is that my favorite niece? Whatever. Yeah, it's your favorite niece, I guess. What are you doing in Annie's closet? I thought you moved back to Haiti. As a matter of fact, no one has seen you in a long time. I can oh, explain. Oh, Annie put me in here. I made one comment about her hair on WhatsApp, and she kidnapped me and put me in this closet. Yeah, until I find a good clapback, Monoc Pierre. What is a clapback? And you still don't comb your hair. <laughs> oh, you should see your sister. She looks nice, Yvette. Help your sister. I don't need help. My hair looks fine. Oh, no. Oh. I mean, maybe you could do a co-wash or something, oh. some color. Mes amis, gardons Enough! I, I don't need your criticisms. Criticism? This is why. Yes, this is this is why he's in the closet. The closet, ma'am. Annie, you've gotta let him go. This isn't right. What's the family gonna say on Facebook? I've been hiding in I've been hiding him in here until I can find the right clapback. This is an injustice. You can't hide Haitian uncles in the closet, no matter how out of line they are. But Yvette, I did this for us. I've been maintaining his WhatsApp. I've been writing thank you comments each time someone likes a post of his on Facebook. You know, it's exhausting, but no one's questioning where he is. So all this, just so you can one day come up with an awesome comeback to one of his criticisms. Yes. Monopia, why don't you just apologize so you could finally go home? Whoa, whoa, an apology. Wow. The chance for him to take responsibility for his hurtful words. Oh my God, Yvette, I never thought of that. Uh, 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 uh. I'm staying in the closet then. Uh oh, mon Okay, well, that's that. Want to get tacos? Sure, let's do it. Oh, bring me one home.
Awesome. So let's get into my poetry talk with Tiana Bratcher and Paige Matam. Uh, this is an incredible uh, treat to have you both on. Um, before we chat and then hear some of your work, um, I'm going to quickly read your bios. Um, just a heads up for uh, all those listening, there's going to be a you're from where question. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. So Tiana Bratcher is a black, is, she's a queer black Dominican woman, sister, auntie, originally from Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, she now resides in L.A. She's the 2016 winner of Best Love Poem at the Collegiate Union's Poetry Slam Invitational, placed fifth at the National Poetry Slam 2017, and placed seventh in the world at the Women of the World Poetry Slam 2020. She has been published in the Shade Journal. Um, she is a 2018-2019 fellow at the Watering Hole and a 2017 queer emerging artist resident at Destiny Arts. Her work centers on reclamation of the body, black girl and uh, black womanhood, healing through generational trauma and shaking ass. Yes. yes. Tiana is a twerk influencer. She is a <laughs> Even universe lover and spends much of her time admiring trees. And so we'll ask her about that too. Yes. Um, ages. They, he is a motion picture poet. He is an, um, they, sorry. They are an inter interdisciplinary artist, event coordinator, educator, born and raised in Cameroon. Il parle français aussi. Oui, oui. In <laughs> Then in DC metro area, um, where he was living for a long time, currently living in Los Angeles, Pages is a pleasure activist. We're going to ask him about that. Yes. With work centering on Black queer liberation, liberation for everyone. Yes. yes. Um, Pages is a recipient of the DC Commission's Art, Arts and Humanities Fellowship, a Kalalu Fellow. Um, and is an author of the award-winning full-length collection of uh, the heart, the heart of a comet, yeah. uh, which is uh, available on your website, and we'll we'll plug that also. Yeah, uh, oh, he's a polygot. He speaks four languages. <laughs> um, Pages is a national poetry slam champion, a National Fair Housing Alliance cultural ambassador with over a decade of experience in youth programs, cre creative writing. My, uh, sorry, my bio is like two sentences. These are amazing <laughs> bios. These are incredible. Everyone, um, if you are writing your bio, th these are the models. Okay. These are the models. <laughs> Experiencing programs, creative writing with social justice lens, cultural competency workshop and performance transmedia art when he is when pages is not being an anime fanatic pages is translating all their work into new and exciting mediums working in screenwriting dubbed the motion picture poet creating poetic dramas that center vibrant black characters and their stories in a way that is fantastical gritty as it is joyous and culturally competent pages has a merch page that is available on their website at pagesmatam.com we'll get to that too so welcome Woo! Uh, 
you got the through show. it. You oh did my it. Goodness. I Man. did it. I did it. <laughs> I hate dials. Um, I'm just gonna say that. I like. I like. I really hate. They, they, they have to be written for, you know, professional yes. purposes and all of that. But I just be like, man, just introduce me how it feels good to your heart. But you got through it. You did it. And I appreciate you. You rock, Colette. You rock. Oh, no problem. I mean, the people must know. They <laughs> must know who, who they are listening. They're about to, to hear. Absolutely. Um, because, uh, this, is, this is amazing. Um, so... Okay, so, um, you know, I want to talk about things like uh, Black Diaspora, uh, writing poetry, family, the idea of acceptance and connections. Um, with uh, Tiana, I feel like your, your work, it, it centers on, yeah, the reclamation of, uh, of the body, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, celebrating our pleasures and, and, and ourselves, um, for pages, uh, it also has to do with that, but then also language too, is a, is a big aspect. Yeah. Um, so if you could please talk about your process, um, take, take turns telling listeners what's the most important element to your writing routine. Um, like for me, like it's a good cup of tea or coffee and then I can start. Um, so what do you need to, uh, to have present so that you can just sit down and write? Yeah. Um, T, take it. Take it away. Take it away. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Okay. So uh, things that I need um, is actually um, lots of loose leaf paper. Nice. Um, and I really enjoy using computer paper. And I like to be spread out either across a table or across my bed. Um, usually writing does not happen if if I am like in a confined space or I only have my computer or I need like the actual paper and the pen and like six different pieces of paper. Um, and then I also, um, part of like my actual writing process is, you know, I might come up with like two or three lines and then I typically write those lines down over and over and over and over again until the next part of the poem comes to me. Or wow. I will remix the lines, right? So I'll write the line and then I'll switch it up and then I'll switch it up again. And then usually it's like, okay, here's the next piece of the poem, um, which actually is very helpful for when I'm memorizing a poem. By the time I actually finish writing a poem, I usually have the first chunk of it memorized because I've written it over like at least 10 times. Um, yeah. But those are like the things that are super unique to my process that are are present in almost every single poem that I write. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I love that you have uh, loose leaf paper or, or copy paper. Uh, so I imagine it's, it's like a puzzle you're putting together. Yeah. Yeah. It, it actually is because when I write on the page, it's not linear. Um, I'll write like in the, in the corner and then I'll write like diagonal across the page. And then I'll write something on one sheet over here and one sheet over there. And then when I, it's time to like put it together. I'll write it straight down or I'll just put it into like a Google doc. And so uh -huh. I'm like shuffling through the papers, like exactly like a puzzle, like which line comes next. And like, um, it's very, it's, it's probably pretty chaotic <laughs> to other yeah. people, but it's really the only way that, um, that makes sense to not even make sense. It's just what naturally happens. Like I don't even, I don't think about like, oh, this goes in the margins right here. And this, it's like, oh, I have an idea while I'm on this line. So I need to write it down somewhere. Um, yeah. The only other space I have is on this sheet of random paper over here. So that's how that, that comes about. 
Oh, that's cool. Um, I, I feel like Michaela Cole, uh, is that's part of her process is uh, post-its, I think mm. on the wall, maybe index cards um, as she's creating, you know, work. So pages, what, what's your process? Oh man. Uh, definitely not still chaotic, but not as not in the ways that, uh, uh, that Tiana just said though. It's, it's really lovely, especially and the results are even more lovely because they're always, shuffling out such indelible work um i uh you know my process is very so i need music that's number one i need music and i usually need to be by myself i need i need by myself which is why like i'm not really a cafe writer i can't write in cafes and you know everybody has you know the typical writer you know, go to Starbucks or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, that's never been me. I, I hate writing in cafes. Um, but now, now that you're in, in LA and you and and uh, for those listening, Paige is a, is a very snazzy dresser. <laughs> so when, so I guess, you know, for showing off your, your clothes, it's not going to be at like Soho House Cafe. Right, like in right, cafe. right. That, that's going to be after the writing exactly, is done. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I just, so I, I, I usually need to be by myself. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, music, I usually listen mm-hmm. particularly. Music helps deride the mood. So it's like yeah. if I'm writing something sexy, I need to be listening to something like hella sexy. If I'm some, writing something that's a little bit more introspective and a little bit more dramatic and things of that sort, um, you know, I, I listen to music that, that fits that. But typically my go-to is I listen to movie soundtracks. Oh, nice. Uh, that's, that's my go-to. I, I listen to a bunch of, you know, I have a whole playlist of about 180 songs and it keeps growing. But it's all like movie soundtracks or score music or even from TV, from from TV stuff. So like um, some of my favorites include the Inception soundtrack, mm-hmm. uh, the Mission Impossible, the newest one. I forget which oh. one is that one. The newest one, the soundtrack from that movie is actually really good. I was thoroughly surprised by it. Nice. Um, also, even from video games. So like I listen a lot to the God of War soundtrack. I really enjoy um the soundtrack from the underground railroad by barry jenkins oh, oh. is amaze balls amaze balls so anyway so yeah you know that musician um i believe that one is by and it, he he collaborates with him often barry jenkins oh. uh oh. it's nicholas Bretel. nicholas Bretel. Yeah, yeah yeah he collaborates with nicholas on all his stuff i think um, but yeah, Nicholas Bretel, uh, take, uh, Irsin Vilpin. I listen to a lot of their stuff as well. And also the Man of Steel soundtrack is another one of my favorite soundtracks that I really enjoy. Um, oh, that's awesome. it's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. So yeah, soundtracks, I need music. Uh, uh-huh. I need, I need alone space. Um, yes. and then, uh, I, I've been doing this. So we have like a, a, a rooftop in our, in our building. So sometimes uh-huh. I've gone up there to write. I probably am actually, I'm going to go up there to write today. So I just okay. take my speaker up there and then I'm usually there by myself. It's just me. 
So, you know, yeah. it's really beautiful. You, you, I'm seeing, you know, the LA, LA streets and, you know, you mm -hmm. just write in and, you know, that feels very writer-ish. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, the, and the, the music you're describing, uh, it sounds very, like, operatic. Yeah, very, yeah, I love that. Yeah, man, I, I love that yeah. epicness. And when I don't, and the other side of the epicness is I listen to anime music. So a lot of, like, J-pop and a lot of <laughs> stuff from, like, just stuff from like anime like you know songs and things of that sort from some of my favorite animes and others that's like mm -hmm. the other side where it's very epic you know what i'm saying you you ever watch an anime and it's like some epic thing is about to happen and then the theme yeah. song kicks in and the hero is about to power up ah! and then like all the crazy stuff starts that's how i feel like uh -huh. when i have that dope anime song and then like it kicks especially like the my hero academia theme uh, you say run when that comes on it's just like i just feel it and i just <laughs> smoke smoke emanating exactly. from your fingers as you're typing wow exactly um but yeah okay. that's, that's my process for the most part whether i'm writing poems or uh screenwriting that's that's my process okay and so to give a background uh so pages and i are from the same screenwriting mentoring program yes uh and Tiana and I met briefly through Pages, uh, yes. through our mutual friend, Ashley Shine, who had a screening recently. Yes. Um, uh, so let's, let's also, uh, let's um, go back to uh, your bio, Pleasure Activist. Ha ha. Yeah. Tell us, what is this? Explain. Yes. Okay. So, so Adrian Marie Brown, uh, shout out, sh shout out to, to this incredible person. Um, uh -huh. they are an American author. Um, they are a doula and they work a lot in like women's rights and mm -hmm. on like black feminist, uh, uh, theory and work and, and writing. And they have a particular book called, uh, pleasure activism and mm -hmm. pleasure activism in that book. Um, it, it talks a lot about just, um, it's the politics of, of the politics of finding joy and healing and, and, and happening and happiness through pleasure through pleasure mm -hmm. and actualizing that particularly through self-pleasure um, and, and mm -hmm. all of the different ways that pleasure can show up in that. And so like in the politics of that, that is still, of course, speaks to very much um, uh, 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 the same kind of uh, feminist, black feminist, uh, black feminist tradition, um, yeah. uh, activism, uh, other types of like activi activism work that is also very much rooted in like black liberation. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And so like, and I, I, her book also utilizes in that particular book, utilizes a lot of, you know, I was saying, uh, uh, theory and narrative and, 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 and narratives from Audre Lorde, from, uh, Sonia Renee Taylor, um, and, and a bunch of other folks. And so when I, Sonia Sanchez. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so when uh -huh. the, the book is really awesome. And so definitely will recommend to everybody. And so what I, what I took from that, um, is that biggest thing, right? It's just so much about how um, a large part of the conversation around when we're talking about liberation um, does not off does not always talk about or involve the the active parts of pleasure yeah. um, and how we navigate pleasure. Mm -hmm. um, and so as somebody who, who, who does work, who has done work um, uh, 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 
in or around pleasure, as somebody who who is a person who actively seeks out and who enjoys pleasurable experiences. Um, and it, it's it just became more and more apparent how much like those type of conversations need to be had just as much as all of the other conversations. And so right. I take I take that very cleanly keenly in, in terms of like being a pleasure activist as someone that's always like um having these conversations with folks is like, yo, you don't have to, your, your pleasure and the, the space that pleasure takes up in your life does not have to take a backseat to all of the things, right. to all of the other things in your life, right? They, they can all move, um, considerably, um, together. Um, and so, and I credit that a lot too, in terms of that growth and that evolution and something that I'm still growing and evolving in, um, particularly when we're, when we are having conversations around gender and sexuality and, 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 and that aspect as well. Um, uh, I, I credit that to, yeah, my, my, my my involvement in the kink space, my involvement in the BDSM space, uh, my involvement in the burlesque space, um, mm-hmm. and also my involvement in with just all of the wonderful queer people like in my life who who made space for me when the world often didn't, and oh, who and who offered me uh, the language. Um, but most of all, the patience and nice. the love to really um, to learn myself in new ways that I thought were not accessible to me. Wow. Um, and, and to and once that happened, it was like, yeah, wow, yeah. Uh, I I wish this is something that was more widely taught, and I also wish that more people got to experience this. Um, and so, yeah. So, uh, although you're saying the idea of, of pleasure, seeking out pleasure, deserving yeah. pleasure, um, I I want to just uh, dovetail to family because yeah. I, I I have a connection I feel like to to both of you, mm-hmm. but to pages in particular being francophone, um, I my family's from Haiti, yeah, uh, uh, and uh, from one of your poems I can't remember the title but it, it had your mother on it, oh, yeah, so I yeah. want to ask about your parents because my parents did not know how to have fun. <laughs> and so they, and, and the idea of, of enjoying yourself doing something, it's almost like a sin. It's, it's like, a, you know, you come, you, they came to this country to work, you know, they, um, mm-hmm. you know, they were always very vague because they, they left Haiti around the time of Duvalier. Mm-hmm. Um, they made it sound like they just got on a plane and they ended up in Queens, it, New York. Ta-da. But, <laughs> but my aunt, she was like, no, they had to, go in disguise like mm-hmm. i i had no idea about their the way that they left mm-hmm. but once they got here um you know a pleasurable experience for my dad m- might have been like a large piece of pound cake so like i'm curious about your family too also language too like was there um french was was that like strongly enforced in the house yeah um speak four languages in haiti yeah. most people um speak Creole, but there are people who speak uh French, Spanish, Creole, mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. So four languages also. Yeah. What what are your languages? What was the most enforced in the house? Yeah. Did your mom know how to have fun? Yeah. Um I, I don't know if she's still here. My parents are not here. So that's <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. My my, my mom is still around. Uh, oh, uh she's but she's back in Cameroon. Uh, oh nice. And uh yeah, Pops is Pops. I don't know where that man is. Uh, oh. Wish him the best, homie. 
you know, hey man, if you're listening, hey, I hope you're good, bro. Um, but uh, well, yeah, so I mean, you're not finding some pleasure, somewhere. you know, right? Hopefully so. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, you know, I think I attribute a lot of that too to just definitely just the effects of just white supremacy in general, yeah. and 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 just how how much it it, it white supremacy does. Uh, 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 it removes pleasure from the equation, right? It removes yeah. it removes joy from the equation. It removes pleasure from the equation, which is even more uh, just uh, it, 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 it's more perplexing to the systems of white supremacy when marginalized communities, um, uh, people of marginalized identities, people from marginalized communities, uh, uh, are still finding ways to experience joy. Despite, despite yeah. the 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 ongoing onslaught of violence and oppression and whatever tactics, and so now this is not to say though that like I would rather not have to deal with any of that, right? I don't yeah. want to like only find joy uh, after the violence has been done or in spite of the violence. I want to have joy because joy exists. Period. That's it. You know right. what I'm saying? Not in spite of that, and so. I attribute a lot of that to, you know, growing up in the household I grew up on, I mean, we were we were very much taught like education is number one, right? You know what I'm saying? Education is number one and the whole rhetoric of you have to work hard, work hard, work hard, this, that. And, you know, I don't dream of labor. Working is, is that's too much, too much, too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a lot of that. And so there was not a lot of space for joy and for, and for a lot of these things. And so, and also our parents were not equipped with the tools, right? They were just yes. not equipped with the tools, not often, not the emotional tools, not the mental tools, you know, and all of these things. And, and it often made the relationships very rigid. It made the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the age gaps and the, and the, and the, and the generational gaps, you know, say so then widened and, and all of these things. And so that became more difficult and created really complicated relationships. Um, um, with that being said, I mean, language was, you know, I, I was, so we have over 150, actually almost 200 dialects um, in my country, you know, I'm saying native, native tongues in my indigenous languages in my country. Uh, but, you know, French and English are the officially recognized languages of Cameroon. Uh, shout out to colonization. Woohoo. Uh, <laughs> you did and, it. You did it. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so, yeah. And so, you know, so grew up on French, English, and both of the uh, native tongues that I belong to on my mother and my father's side from both the tribes I belong to on both their sides. Um, but then I was also learning German um, in school because at one point I was supposed to go to Germany and then, you know, I ended up in the U.S. or whatever. And then conversational in Spanish, and which at first I was taking, taking for different reasons. And then, like, you get here where, you know, there's a large... Uh, Latinx population and people that mm-hmm. speak, you know, Spanish. Um, but then, of course, the nuances, right? It's the same way that French in Haiti is very different from French in Haiti is very different from French in France, very different from uh. French in Cameroon, right? The same yeah. way that Spain in the Dominican Republic, as Tiana yeah. will speak to, is Spanish right. in the Dominican Republic is very different from Spanish in Mexico and Spanish, oh, in, yeah. you know, in Spain, right? And all of these other things. And so, like, all these mm-hmm. different nuances. So, you know, and language. They make, and they, they make you know. Oh, yeah, they absolutely. They let you know. Absolutely. Uh-huh. They, they don't play games with that. And so, you know, language, you know, I started seeing language has been both, um, has both been a bridge 
and has also been the fire that burned down the bridge. Um, in my in my experience and in and, and in the ways that I grew up, both from being here in the United States and thinking about also back home and the the things about and and, and the disconnect that often has in that, right? I, I think often about like, hey, like a lot of my books, right? A lot of my writing that talks about back home and my people back home and all of these things. But most of my people back home may not be able to read or understand this work because that is right. that is not the language that they're most in commonality with. And right. so, you know what I'm saying? And so like that's that's something to really think about that can, you know, definitely, uh, yeah, just, 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 it's something to think about, you know, in, in those moments. And so, but yeah, man, right. shout, shout out um, to language, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, because like, uh, just going back to Francophone and, and we'll, we'll, um, cause we gotta get to Tiana, yeah. but, uh, in Haiti, my, you know, my parents went to French school. Uh, I had, um, two guests on from a organization called Jardin Timoun mm. and they are uh like I guess in, in a sense like Creole activists it's a okay. it's a Creole immersion program for children in Brooklyn mm. and so they are um they they teach lessons using Creole as the the language and um one of the founders uh she's a linguistic specialist she was saying how like um, children learn better in their, their mother tongue. And, um, you know, I think about that. I think about how my father, he died of Alzheimer's and mm. how he reverted back to French only. Um, mm. It was great for me because I was able to improve on my language. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, he's locked. It was like a prison, you know, he's locked in his brain. Wow. Um, and he's also speaking the language of his oppressor. Right. Uh, He's right. oppressed by this disease, so there was right. a lot of levels to it. So that's Woo. that's what what stri- strikes me about your your work. Yeah. Um, and uh, and so yeah, so that's why I was curious. But yeah. Tiana, um, because you know, especially like um, for all my Kiskeans, the the Haitians and Dominicans, when they hear your bio, she's from Alaska. Like people are like, what? What? How did that happen? Like. Please, <laughs> because like for the black diaspora, you know, um, there's no Yelp or Green Book mm-hmm. that tells us like, okay, this place is safe. Like my dad, basically, like they moved to Queens. Um, my dad, I think, ventured into New Jersey. There was a, a sale because my dad was also a snazzy dresser, like Pages, um, always, always very chic. And he went to a clothing sale and saw like, oh, Englewood. He said that he sees this New Jersey neighborhood and he moves there. And then eventually my uncle moved. Anyway, Alaska. <laughs> how did how did this happen? Yeah, um, <laughs> that is the question. That is the question. Funny enough, I didn't even think about it, but I put this shirt on today. Wow, <laughs> Alaska grown. Yes, this is also nice. like if you go to Alaska, you see a lot of people wearing these shirts and these hoodies. Um, they're all different colors and stuff. And uh-huh. for whatever reason, I just put that on today. So it's very funny that we're here. Um, wow, yeah. So my my dad my dad is dominican my mom is american um okay and the story that i have received from my dad um is that his parents just wanted to get out of dr and um they sent him and his brother to new york when they were my dad was about 12 
And uh-huh. then they were there for like maybe a school year. And then his parents came, they came to New York and they were like, we want to be somewhere where we are out of the way. Nobody will know us. What better place to do that than Alaska? Um, oh yeah, like that's out the way. Like in coming to America, they, they spin a, the globe and the, where where can where can an African prince find a queen and queens? <laughs> so your your family spin the globe, Alaska. You know, and that that's really might that really might be what happened. I that's the only story that I got, and I feel like um, how you were talking about earlier, how you didn't know all the details about how your family came to yeah. the states, right? I think there's so many things that I just don't know. I'm also I don't have a relationship with my my grandparents, and I didn't I didn't grow up with my dad in my life. Like we just connected a couple of years ago, so there's a lot of things that I don't know. So I feel very suspicious about like they just woke up one day and was like, yeah, we're just gonna move to Alaska. <laughs> like what what is you know but you know they're doing good my grandfather has this bus company that he's been running for a very long time that um you know alaska yeah in alaska because there's so many small towns and cities in alaska right like we live in anchorage um which is like the biggest major city in alaska yeah um but there's so many small towns, you know, and people have to work or like fish or, you know, people go on tours and stuff like that. And so a lot of times there's not like transportation to get there. Right. And so mm-hmm. my grandpa runs this bus company that goes to some of these places and will drop people off and pick them up and stuff like that. Um, you, um, I, I'm sorry, but like uh, from where I live, because I live right outside of New York City, well, mm-hmm. where I grew up. Uh, right outside of New York City, uh, there's uh, the Dominican buses that go <laughs> from the Route 4 to George Washington Bridge. Like, it takes oh, wow. you across to Washington Heights. So it's almost like it, it was like it's in the DNA. I love that. So, so love you're, that. you're, you're, and, and for people in my tri state area, they know the Dominican bus. Yes. So, your, your, your family brought the Dominican bus to Alaska. That's amazing. Absolutely. I love that yeah. so much. And, you know, it's so funny that it, I, I, thank you for sharing that with me because I've only been to Dominican Republic one time. And when I went, I also don't speak Spanish, which is a whole, <laughs> which is a That's whole okay. other thing. Um, but when I went and I was talking to my family, you know, they would, relatives I've never met before they're coming up to me and they're like yeah what part of New York do you live in and I was like yeah I live in California (laughs) (laughs) and they're like what are you doing over there and I'm like this phenomenal question um and it's just it's really funny so I I actually don't know a lot about um I I, like the Dominican experience in New York I Mm -hmm. which seems you know which is where a lot of a lot of us are I actually don't know that much about what happens in New York um, because, mm-hmm. yeah, I grew up in Alaska, was raised in Vegas, and now living oh in California. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Vegas. All the oh, places I'm- Dominicans are not is where <laughs> you were at. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wow. That, that was not in the bio. It, it- <laughs> yeah, I moved to I moved to Las Vegas when I was nine years old and was there up until I I came to California for college. Omg! Yeah, yeah, that's it's, amazing. It's been it's been a life. <laughs> wow, I mean, but these are places that like it's like you're in a in a pioneer kind of way, you know? Because like 
the, where we go, it, it's like we're we're making space for for more people like us. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, a Dominican hearing this might be like, oh, you know, Vegas not so bad. Oh, Alaska, I guess is not so bad. Somebody <laughs> live there, okay? Yes. Uh, that, yes. Like that's my Yelp review. That's my my green book. Somebody live there. I c- I could do that because yes. that's how it is. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, diaspora. Uh, so okay. <laughs> so we talked about Alaska. So and and yeah, people ask you where part of New York or Boston you're from, and you're just like blank face. <laughs> um, yep. So, and has anyone recently asked you about In the Heights? Um, no, actually. Uh, <laughs> which, I, which I feel very grateful for. Um, I also <laughs> I also have muted it on Twitter. I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. I don't want to be associated. Please leave me alone. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, although, also, um, I uh, shout out to my friend Fior. Uh, she is Dominican, grew up in Washington Heights. Uh, she just moved to California. Her husband oh, nice. uh, wanted to move back here. He's from like Riverside area, uh, but she found a Dominican hair salon in in LA. So oh. they're here. Send the link. <laughs> yes, I'll let I'll let you know. I'll find yes. it. And I'll, I'll let you know. But yeah, they. Yes. Um, so there are Dominicans here. There are Haitians here. I've I've met I've met a few. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 like uh, finding. A piece of gold like I, I don't I don't see them around much I, I'd have right. to really search man um, I was at yeah. a just just real quick I was at Ralph's yeah. actually we have a okay. Ralph's up the street from where we live and I was at a Ralph's and you know and you can just tell your people anywhere man you just uh. you just you just can and so like I was in line and they were in line in front of me and just by the way they dressed by the way that they talked and uh-huh. I was like this guy's from Cameroon this guy is from Cote d'Ivoire, and oh. this guy might be Senegalese or from from Benin. Like, and I was just uh-huh. like guessing it there. And so, like, they were speaking French, and then I, I just started. I was like, "Hey, mon frère, comment ça va? Ça va bien? Comment ça va ici là?" Oh God! We start talking there, and yeah, two out of the four are from Cameroon. One was from one was from uh 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 Cote d'Ivoire. Um, uh-huh. And then the fourth one uh, was actually from uh, Congo, Congo Brazza. So I nice. was like, "Wow, yeah, I wow. could, I could." I, it's so like, but it was hilarious. But one of the things we're talking about, I was like, "So where, where are the like, where are the like the the, the West Africans <laughs> stay? Where do we stay? Yeah. Where do we hang out?" And there, there. Right. So he was like, "Oh, you you on Facebook? You on Facebook? You on Facebook?" <laughs> Oh. I was like, nah, Do I don't, ha- I don't have Facebook. So I was like, ah, oh, man, you from Instagram? Facebook. Yeah, I was saying yeah, Instagram. Instagram. I was like, nah, I don't have Instagram. Twitter? You just do Twitter? Oh, I was like, oh, oh. Ah, oh, I don't do Twitter. I don't. <laughs> it was just, it was, it was fun times, fun times. But yeah, man. So, so, pas Twitter, pas Instagram. But uh, Facebook. I, I so just do Twitter. What do you do? No, I just do Twi- Twitter. Oh, oh, yeah, okay, Twitter is the only okay. one I do. And I so just did you came... give them the Twitter? Yeah, I mean, I gave them the Twitter, but they didn't have Twitter. So, oh, oh. so they were, yeah, so they were like, I mean, cool. I mean, we're not going to do nothing with this, <laughs> but, uh, you know. And they're just, you know, also just much older gentlemen, you know what I'm saying? Oh. And, Hence and, the Facebook question. Right, hence the Facebook mm-hmm. question, right? And then, you know, so it's like, I also don't really, I wasn't super interested in, like, having too much rapport with them just because, oh. you know, there's a lot of just, like, 
both cultural and just like life things that are vastly different that I'm just like not really interested in having these conversations and particularly these conversations in the middle of the grocery store at the Rouse, you know what I'm saying? So I was just like, hey man, it's all good, man. Hey, maybe I'll see you at Ralph's again and we'll talk. Okay, bye. <laughs> Cause it then it goes back to the pleasure issue right. and, and what you what you grew up with. Right. You, you know, you know the score, you know what how they probably grew up as yep. well. Yep, and, and how they're thinking and just like, yeah, it's not it's not gonna be it's gonna it's gonna invite way too many questions that I just uh-huh. don't have the energy to, mm-hmm. to 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 spend answering. So yeah. 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 Oh, uh, well, I mean, it's that, that's beautiful, but sad. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a short movie. That's like a short right there. Man, mm-hmm. ain't it? Ain't it though? Ain't it though? Especially like in relation to like the the, the one of the uh, the the short films that we watch, uh, uh, Discovering Brooklyn, uh, yeah. which was super super duper awesome. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have her on too. Yeah. yeah. Yes, please check out the film support Aaliyah. Like they're they're great. They're amazing. Um yes. and so like so it was just like really fascinating, right? When it's like especially that part where so the main character's family, they're they, I believe they're from the Caribbean. Uh, I don't know if it was Jamaican specific, but right. they're from the Caribbean. Um right. and you know, and so and the main character discovering Brooklyn is, 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 is basically a coming out story and them discovering, you know, their queerness and their attraction to, uh, to, to other women. And, you know, and so there's a conversation that comes up in the kitchen, you know, with, with, with their parents around that topic. And it was just, you know, and so watching that, it just reminded me of so many, like, those similar conversations I've had in my household, right. Right. Of like around, like, queerness and just so much of like the, the homophobia and the transphobia and a lot of just like all these other things that are still very rampant in a lot of our cultures and traditions and you know and that's and that's colonization is to blame that's yeah. you know christianity in a lot of parts and 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 religiosity as as another form of violence as a tool for violence is to blame and all of that and so and sometimes, you know, it's, you know, you're able to have those hard conversations and hopefully, you know, and it's good, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, but then sometimes it's like, yeah, those conversations are just, yeah, it's it's not it. It's exhausting. It, it becomes yeah. so exhausting. And as much as, you know, we want family and all that to 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 love us and to love us fully and to be there fully and da 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 and you know, it's, 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 it's exhausting sometimes, but then you, it also then made me think of a lot of other people, right. Who don't even, who don't get that right. There are some people, as soon as you say anything, I have friends, even the same, there was like, you know, they get kicked out, they become homeless, they, they, or houseless, excuse me. Yeah. And, and, you know, saying it and, you know, their, their, their families completely, you know what I'm saying? Like dishonor them, right. S- similarly to Ashley's, you know, web series and that moment with, you know what I'm saying, with with, uh, 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 with with one of the characters and their family and how they ended up choosing their family over their partner. And so, like, and that was just such a gut-wrenching moment as well, too. So, yeah, it's a lot of that, a lot of that. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's heavy. Uh, I, what what you're just saying, it, it gives me, uh, it makes me think about pose and how mm-hmm. and the idea of like a chosen family in the mm-hmm. show um tiana how what was it like for you so alaska is a beautiful place <laughs> you, have, you have some dominican um you have dominican family so mm-hmm. so you have 
have some exposure to to your culture um it's uh so so but still like you're you're in america you're um mm -hmm. you know a black person in a very white space mm -hmm. um beautiful with trees and and, mm -hmm. and whatever but like what was it like for you um the things that pages uh is saying do you do you connect to to that was it was this similar yeah um so yes alaska incredibly beautiful and and you know as a as somebody who was born there and you know didn't know anything else it was an amazing experience um you know it's like this is this is my home and and my so me i have a, a brother who's three years younger than me and we have different dads but his dad is also dominican right and um so his family very large family um also lived in alaska wow. <laughs> I, I don't know how wow. i don't know how um <laughs> well actually i do know a little bit about that story they they lived in new york for some time they moved from dominican republic to new york um and my my brother's grandmother who i also see as my grandmother right because we we grew up and we're so close um what from my understanding the story that i have received right <laughs> who knows what the truth is um but she had um i believe six kids and um they were living in new york and you know somebody was like talking about they were going to get the boys and and hurt the boys and harm the boys and um she was like i'm not having that so she moved to alaska um and um and that's how they that's how they ended up there right so i was able to grow up with um you know with all of my cousins and you know and then my mom um not dominican but black her family is from kentucky and dc um and her family got to alaska through the military um and so her parents were there her younger siblings and so it was like a very, I was just immersed in, in so much, like all of my family was in Alaska. It's like very wild to actually think about. Um, but yeah, but it's like, it's, it's, you know, so, so many people. And it was, it was, you know, there was a time when I was in maybe third grade and um, I had a cousin or a sibling in every grade right it's from k through six and so we would like mob to school together and like walk home to our grandma's house afterwards right um and it was just man it was so cool it was so cool um and i think it was when i moved to vegas um that that's when i felt alone and isolated and very separated from like my culture and my people mm -hmm. and and all of the things, right? Um, because my my brother's family, very Dominican family, <laughs> very very Dominican, um, and you know, as like a as a small person, you know, as as an eight you know eight year old seven year old, I don't have a vast understanding of culture or things. There's things happening, right? There's things that are like, um, I don't have the language for. Like I'm I'm recognizing all of these things as as part of our daily life, as part of our practices. Um, uh -huh. but it wasn't something I'm like, this is culture and I need to learn about this and I need to, you know, like be indoctrinated in this and all of the things. And it wasn't until I got to Vegas when I was without all those things. And I was like, oh, this is terrible. <laughs> I, oh. I hate it. Um, and I, and I, why, why, why did you move? Your mom um, got a new job or it was. 
so my so I have an older sister whose mm-hmm. uh, father was also in the military and he was stationed in Vegas. And so my sister was was back and forth between Alaska and Vegas. And my mom, who was also born in Alaska, who, you know, they're interesting place. <laughs> Alaska is an interesting place to say the least. Right. And, you know, there's just a lot of um, for my mom without getting too, too much into it. I think there's just sure. a lot of um, drama and a lot of pain and heartbreak that that came with um the lifestyle of of being in Alaska um you know a lot of loss for my mom a lot of a lot of deaths a lot of um a lot of people being in prison um just just you know it's the thing about Alaska is if you are not you know fishing or you know in construction or in the military um a lot of people are involved with like drugs and gangs and things like that. Um, And it's, you know, a lot of people don't understand the magnitude of those things in Alaska because people are like, Alaska, what's going to go on out there? But like, you know, we're actually very impacted by our environment as people who like spend a lot of time in the dark, (laughs) a lot of time in the house, you know, drugs are a very huge thing in Alaska. Um, And violence is a very huge thing, you know, where there, where there are drugs, there is unfortunately violence. Um, and, and, you know, and there's a lot of nuance in that. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but I think because of that, my mom wanted to leave and Mm -hmm. the only other place she had somebody was my sister in Vegas. And so we moved to Vegas and, Ooh, she actually tricked me. She tricked me. So it was summer, it was summer break, the tail end of summer break. And I had, at the time, my dad was living in Pennsylvania and I went to go visit my dad for like two weeks. And then um, they were like, yeah, you're going to go to Vegas and you're going to visit your sister on your way home to Alaska. And I was like, okay, cool, tight. So I go, I'm like on the plane, you know, la, 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 la. My sister's dad comes, picks me up and he's like, yeah, hurry up. We got to go register you for school. And I said, sir, what are you talking about? (laughs) Record scratch. I... (laughs) I go to school in Anchorage. I don't, this is not, I don't know what you're talking about, but uh. I don't, what's going on? Um, because my mom had told me before that she was thinking about moving. And I just remember the entire day I cried and I was like throwing a fit. You know, I was nine years old. I was like, I don't want to leave. All my friends are here, my cousins and everybody, right? Right. And so in order for me to not... Um, in order for me to not throw another tantrum, she she tricked me, which really hurt my feelings. Um, but then I ended up, yeah, fourth fourth grade up until up until I left for college, I was there, and it was it was a very it was it was a hard experience because it then became me, my mom, and my sister, versus you know me, my siblings, my cousins, my grandma, my uncles, my aunts, my friends that I had growing up. Um, And it was a very, it was a very lonely experience. And my mom was a single mom who oftentimes worked two jobs, three jobs, graveyard, um, you know, so it was like me and my sister and me and my sister didn't get along very much um, until I was in high school. And so, um, and then we moved a lot. Um, 
you know, we moved, I want to say over 14 times. Wow. Within the span of me being there for, for like 10 years. Right. And so, um, it was hard to keep friends. It was hard to, you know, keep track of people. I didn't really get to play sports. I didn't really get to do extracurricular activities. So all of these opportunities that you would, you know, in a new place use to build community and, and, you know, um, I didn't really get that. So it was like, it was just, I went from having what I felt like I had everything um, to having, you know, nothing almost. Um, So, yeah. It was rough. Wow. Um, so that thank thank you for your your candidness and and sharing. Uh, I'm I'm sure as, as stressful as it was for you, it was so much stress for your for your mom for your sister, and they're mm-hmm. trying to shield you and protect you because that's all that's it seems like that's that's what it was all rooted in mm-hmm. too was was to protect you. Um, but then it's like you have to you have these choices and you have to try to make it work somehow. Um, but you know, let's let's talk about poetry because um, you know, yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, I I was an emo kid. I grew up in a very chaotic ho- household, and music and poetry was very important to me. Um, so I imagine, you know, in these times, like you're especially nine years old, like that's when everything starts to kick in mm-hmm. and and you start to understand things and, and um, you know, everything that was happening in your childhood, it starts to, you start to realize things and then, and then you grow up in puberty and all of that. Mm-hmm. So um, like, what was the moment in your childhood that steered you into a life of poetry? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, you know, pages and I kind of laughed and you were like, yeah, so let's yeah, talk about poetry, poetry. But, the, but the transition, but the transition actually, it's actually very related for me. Like it's actually not separate. <laughs> and so that makes it that much more funny is that these things are, these things live together in my mind. Right. Um, also want to say before I answer the question, like definitely, definitely, definitely see the ways that my mom, like my mom did that to protect me. Right. And, and as a small person, as a young person, I was very angry with her. Um, but as I have grown into an adult, you know, I have a lot more grace and, and, and am able to see my mom as a full person and not my mom. Right. Um, and, and also able to see the ways that the world had impacted my mom as, as a single mom, as a black single mom, as a young black single mom. Right. Um, and, and the options that she had and the and the choices she had to make in order to protect me, herself, and her other two kids at the time. Um, but as a, it was it was when I was twelve. As a twelve year old, I wasn't able to see that um, right, and and I was I was very sad, and I also was depressed, and I didn't have the language for that. Um, and that's when I started writing. Because I tried to talk to, I tried to talk to my mom about it. I tried to talk to my sister about it, you know, and, and I was getting a lot of, you know, you're very sensitive or, you know, that's not this or like you're making it up or, you know, just brush it off. Right. Um, a lot of I, w- I was getting my feelings were getting dismissed a lot um, and I didn't know what to do or where to turn. Um and, and if I can be very transparent, you know, I, I turned to self-harming for, for a long time. Um, and 
I was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do this. Um, and it, it, and it persisted, but something that kind of helped me move away from that was writing. Um, and so I started writing, I mean, even when I was small, even when I was young, I remember having journals and, and writing, like, I thought when I was like five years old, I thought I was going to be a songwriter. I used to like come to my mom and be like, look at this song I wrote. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, like in second grade, I remember my mom finding my journals and like my poems and stuff like that. But it wasn't until I was 12 and I was in middle school that I like really started writing. And then it was um, in high school when I came across um you know, the, the YouTube videos, I came across the Death Jam and the, um, Brave New Voices documentary. Um, and, um, when I was like, oh, I want to do this, I want to write poems. Um, and I started writing and then it wasn't until junior year where I had a teacher who, you know, was, you know, I was at a new school again and, um, I was very lonely again. And, she really like took me under her wing and, you know, we really bonded and she saw my writing and she started a, a poetry club for me to have a space. Where oh, I wow. write. Um, and it was, it was very sweet of her. It was very sweet. And she helped me a lot with my writing, but in Vegas, there's not a lot of, um, at the time, I didn't know of any opportunities for young folks to slam or perform or do anything. So it, I was like, I'm about to quit. I'm God, there's no space for me. I'm going to quit. I'm going into college. I need to find something else to do. And it was in college where people were tabling for this theater troupe um, where they had this poetry um, show inside of the theater troupe where I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll do this. And then I got in. And then from there, I started slamming. And now here I am still doing the thing. That's amazing. and and you know, think, thankfully that, like, that was the outlet for you mm-hmm. and the, the liberating, you know, source for you to, to get your thoughts out, to, to, um, to get in touch with, you know, what was inside. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. What about you, Pages? What was your, your moment? Woo-wee! My moment, poetry. Ha ha. Man, it's a very long story. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I, I, I wrote my first poem because of an episode of Power Rangers. Um, and this also links back to language, right? Um, so, you know, moved to the United States when I was about, yeah, 10 years old. I had been to the States before, but like as like a summer vacation or like a summer trip and stuff like that. Uh, but this time it was, you know, moving permanently. Now, you're getting taught English back home is very different from like actually being submerged in English and particularly American English, where like all the words are swallowed. It's not, it's not, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It, all the words are swallowed. Nothing is really enunciated. A lot of words, it was just, it was just so, it was a weird time. I got a lot of A's in English back home, but it was interesting just actually speaking and like, oh yeah, I'm good in English. And then you start actually speaking with people and it's like, I was like, what the hell is everybody saying? What does this mean? I, what is going on? Can I compute? So I, what I, I imagine, I, I'm sorry, I imagine yeah. uh, your English was very elegant and the kids were probably like, why, why are you yeah. talking like you're a professor? You're right, American. right. Very formal, right. Very formal, very didactic, very like traditional, 
You know what I'm saying? Woo, woo, woo. Right, exactly that. Okay, boom, boom, boom. So, uh, to get better with my English and to get better with the with the vernacular and the idioms and and particularly Black American English because Black people are the coolest human beings in the universe. Um, I started watching cartoons and a lot of cartoons. So like I was watching Sesame Street, I was watching Dexter's Lab, I was watching all of these things and woo woo. So middle school me, I'm watching an episode of Power Rangers and this episode, the Rangers all get sent to different parts of time or whatever. The Yellow Ranger who was this black uh, woman that I had a huge crush on meets this dude in like 16th century, 17th century France who happens to have, who happens to be a poet and he writes her a poem. They fall in love and da 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 da. And my little middle school mom was like, what? You can write words and girls fall in love with you. That's what I need to do with my life. Okay. So that same day I grab a dictionary. I grab a French English dictionary. Uh, and you know what I'm saying? And then I just go to work. I'm like translating words back and forth. And I write my first poem for this girl I had a crush on in my class, in my middle school class. Gave her the poem. She was like, no, thank you, bud. Goodbye. <laughs> that didn't work out. Uh, showed the poem to my English teacher, uh, Miss Nilsson. And, you know, she was like, oh, you know, look, you know, little, little Cameroonian boy writing in English. It's so nice. You keep it going. All right, whatever. Um, and then, but yeah, I kept writing. I kept writing. I, I just... I just enjoy the idea of just like, you know what I'm saying, using language to express yourself. Um, and it just really became a gateway for me for a lot of like my emotional, just kind of, I, I developed a good part of, or not even developed, but I explored a lot of my emotional intelligence through writing and through the relationships that I was depicting and writing about in my poems and in the things that I was writing. A lot of them were things I, I, not even that I had no business, but I knew really nothing about, but I was always a very, like I was writing about sex a lot. I was writing about love a lot. I was writing about all of these, all of these things, you know what I'm saying? That I, that I was always just very, that I was always very curious about, you know, that in hindsight now, you know, after having done years of therapy and things of that sort, it's, 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 there was some trauma that was behind that. And also some other just kind of like life experiences that was behind that. But it, it, again, language offered me a space to just start asking questions without being gaslit without being, you know, made to feel like your, your, your emotions are invalid, the things that you want to ask, the things that you're feeling are not valid. Language really gave me, in uh, poetry, gave me that sort of safe space, for, for, for lack of a better term, to, to ask questions. And that's it. And that's really it. It was to ask questions. Um, and then it just continued from there, high school, uh, I joined my high school poetry club after a Black History Month assembly, but that's when I got introduced to like performance poetry and like poetry slam, right? Spoken word. Because before, all I knew of poetry, why I didn't even do poetry, like I knew, you know, I just didn't, I, I thought it was a thing like old white men did. You know, that's what I understood. Po I understood poetry as like, oh, that thing that Shakespeare does. That's what I understood of poetry. You know what I'm saying? And so, but in high school, you know what I'm saying? There's this, you know, this, this young Black girl comes up during Black History Month, and it's like, you know, and it's soft-spoken, and, and it's really tiny, really slim-bodied, 
and you know just looks like oh my gosh you, you if you breathe her away she might fly away you know what i'm saying and it's just like yeah so in a very meek and it's like yeah so i'm gonna read a poem now and it's entitled give me back my black man and we're all like you know sitting there like okay cool cool all right you know hope, hope she makes it because she don't look comfortable up there but then she puts the paper down and then Give me back my black man. You've taken him and raping him. Put him to sleep. We will awaken him. And she's just going off. And I'm just sitting here like, oh. So she looks like she's rapping, but it's not raps because there's no music. So why, what is this thing? There's something, something is going on. But I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, and so, yeah, right after, she was like, yeah, so I'm part of Lyrical Storm. There's her poetry group uh, after school. We meet on Thursdays and Tuesdays. Come sign up. Okay, bye. And I signed up the next day. Signed up the next day. I was like, please teach me all of the things. What's up? And then, you know, my other mentor, Mr. Mr. Adams, shout out to Phoenix, Neville Adams. And he was like, all right, cool. Let me, let me show you some black poets. You know, he's the one who showed me like the Langston Hughes and started like, here's the Maya Angelou's and da, da, da. Hey, here's some black poets, you know what I'm saying? And then he would encourage me like, who are some black writers? Do you know any like African writers from where you come from? You know what I'm saying? Like, let, let, let's talk about, let, 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 let's talk about those guys as well. And so, and then it just kind of grew, grew, grew from there. And I did Brave New Voices, which is like the youth poetry slam competition. I'm also very competitive. So that was like a thing. So I was like, oh, competition? Bet. So I did that because I wasn't really like the the always super athletic kid. Like I played uh, football, soccer, but I played football for, 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 for a little while. But then I busted my knee, tried playing American football, busted my shoulder. So I was just like, you know what? Sports are probably not for me, you know. Say I ran, I swam, you know. That was about it. But like I wasn't like the super like athletic kid, you know, in in the sports and and just everything around what I was taught around masculinity just didn't feel good. It did not feel good, right? I was never attracted to to machismo and masculinity in the ways, and even in when I participated in it. It, it, it just, it didn't feel good, right? It didn't feel right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't feel good and it didn't feel right. And it often was just a performance, right? It was just a performance. And so um, poetry and the people that I met through poetry, like Tiana uh, uh, and, and, and other folks and, and that, that I've come to meet and some of the amazing, my all my favorite poets and writers are Black, queer, like, women and non-binary folks every single one of them you know what i'm saying and so it's like through their stories and through the way that they would write about their experiences it gave me permission and space to question and navigate my own experiences and come into myself a bit more and i'm eternally grateful for that and so yeah that's it so that's amazing so this is a good segue how did you both meet You're gonna tell it. I'm gonna tell. I mean, so we met at a we met at a National Poetry Slam event, uh, National Poetry Slam Festival back in Chicago. That was the first time we met. Um, T was on a T was on a team uh, representing the Bay Area, and I was a coach for the team representing Washington D.C. Um, so that's where we first met. Uh, talked very briefly. I I talked very briefly. Was not a <laughs> was not a whole lot that happened there. Um, 
But then the following year, T was uh, not festival director, but some type no. of director, some type of director or person that was making sure things were I happening was, properly. Yeah, I was I was working um, at Brave New Voices as a Future Core director, which is Future Core is a group of people who have aged out of the competition and now are there to like help be the bridge between the participants and the actual staff. Yeah. So T was that director <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, who's that? And a mutual friend that we had, I was like, Oh, that's, that's Tiana. You met, you met her last year. And I was like, we did. I don't remember talking to them, but they fine. They fine. <laughs> and they're very, they're very lovely human. So I would like to get to know them. And yeah, and then slid in the DMs, as the children would say. <laughs> and, and and at first, I was getting ignored for a very long time. Okay. But but then AKI, you know, they were they were dealing with things with like school and just like finishing their their their, their graduate program or whatever they're not graduating and all that. Mm-hmm. There, so I was like, all right. All right, cool. But then, you know, they're like, hey, sorry, I've been kind of MIA the past couple months. But, you know, now I'm like, life is like a little, I can breathe a little bit. And then we just kind of went from there. And uh, here we are. That's beautiful. And so Tiana was in uh, Oakland for a while, Mm -hmm. uh, Pages in D.C. What brought you both now to L.A.? Uh, uh, so, I mean, I, I was always just kind of, LA was always in a, in a, in ruminating in conversation for me because I wanted to do more stuff in TV and film and, you know, and fully just kind of like transitioning in that. And everybody's like, move to LA, move to LA, move to LA. And I'm like, you really have to move to LA to make it. Cause it's like, you know, th- that, that whole narrative is starting to change, especially with like yeah. the internet and, and the virtual space and like, and also just the access, right. That the, the, maybe the, the bigger companies are all here, but like, the access and the creation of content has changed so much, you don't really need to move to LA. But anyways, whatever. So that was always ruminating. Um and 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 T, I guess you you were kind of doing work between the Bay and LA. And then mm-hmm. T was also like thinking about maybe I should just move permanently to LA and and explore that a little bit before my next destination uh and we both came to find out you know at one point you know i was also thinking about atlanta and they were also you know thinking about atlanta um and that was a thing um but i ended up ended up doing la and then a pandemic happened and i was like oh snap uh because at first we were planning on just like just you know finally being able from going from a long distance relationship to actually being together and so like but we were both at first planning on just getting our own spaces because mm-hmm. um, you know you know you finally come from the long distance but it's like you know you don't know how it's gonna be once you're actually together and to like to first you know just kind of like and so like just some of the anxieties around that at first you know what i'm saying um and just being very honest we we practice a lot of honesty in our in our in our relationship and so i'm being able to have these these, these sorts of conversations and so yeah but then the pandemic happened the pandemic was like all right well you know, y'all can be broke now and y'all can be going <laughs> through it and da da da. And so as as things just uh, uh, opened up and, and, and things just kind of uh, uh, devolved in the ways that they were due to the pandemic, it was like, you know what, it'll make more sense. If we really want to do this LA thing, it'll make more sense to move together, find a place together and da da da. And we did, and it's been great. 
I hope right. Tiana, you agree, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I strongly agree. Strongly agree. <laughs> no, I no, it's it, it has been great. It has been great. It's also been very smooth too. I think when Pages was talking about those anxieties of like, you know, we went from seeing each other, you know, every other month or every couple months whenever we could see each other to not seeing each other at all due to the pandemic. So it was like a little nerve wracking because I'm like, now I'm going to be up in your face all day. You're going to be up in my face all day, every day. Um, but it's been great. I really enjoyed it. Um, really. Strongly, strong <laughs> suggestion. I, I really think all couples should have. I don't know when the zeitgeist decided to be like, if you are together, you have to like have the same bedroom. I strongly urge everybody in any type of coupledom relationship or partnership you should absolutely have your own bedroom or your yeah. own room yes to like sleep yes. in it's like great it's like cool oh i want to love up on you i want cuddles and da, da, da. And it's like great you can either now we got two suites you can come in my suite or i can go to your suite but it's like i love you i i, I care about you you are the best but i need my own space i need my own yeah. time right now I just don't, I don't, I don't want to be next to you right now. And it's not because of anything bad. It's just like, I just want to be in my own space by myself. And that has been amazing. So that was a big thing. Even in moving here, we're like, we need a two bedroom. We need at least a two bedroom space. That was a a non-negotiable for the both of us. And so, yeah, man, strongly, strongly urge, man, strongly urge. Cause ain't nothing like being mad at your partner or anything happens feelings come up and it's like so which one of us going to the couch because it ain't me (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's just the satisfaction of being like get out of my room (laughs) that person can just go to their room just go to your room and you'll be fine you know right my my parents slept in separate rooms yeah uh i uh i i know i know uh quite a few couples that sleep in separate rooms and they are together and happy and they have their own space. Yes. Uh, I, I don't sleep in a separate room and we actually um, at times have like a family bed where like mm. our son sleeps in our, in our room. He begs mm. us. He mm. wants to sleep in our bed. It's very sweet, oh, but we but. have a very small room. <laughs> yeah. It's a very small room with a, yeah. a queen size bed and we're all like, you know, three big people yeah. in a, in a very tiny bed. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I, I feel I'm a little jealous. <laughs> that's really nice. Um, so that's that's beautiful. So we we went from your your origin story all yes. the way to like anime. This is an anime. I know, like your right? Origin to, uh, you know what what the passion was, and then the passion that brought you together, and now you're in your own apartment together in separate rooms, <laughs> uh, but in the same in the same space. Um, anyway, beautiful. Uh, I, I want to shift into the mind blowing poetry that you're, you're going to both be presenting. Um, but just also, uh, wanted just to talk about, there were, there were two poems. Um, we, we talked about spoiled child earlier, Mm -hmm. um, the idea of language. Um, I wanted to talk to you because I, I, I don't know if either of you have seen Zola yet. No, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. But uh, your poem, Tiana, reminded me, I got the, the vibe of, of Zola. Um, it's uh, So if you could talk a bit more about it, it's on this uh, very inventive album called uh, Voicemail Poems. Mm-hmm. And 
it's uh it's it's fire if you could talk about it i love the spirit behind it it gave me like zola p valley uh vibes all my favorites um uh what what can you say the name and yeah. then the creation yeah. behind it absolutely so the title of the poem is drake ass niggas unless you're not black then the title of the poem is rub me my money um wow um so the inspiration i am a stripper was a stripper who knows what the future holds with <laughs> stripping in the pandemic um but um the inspiration was from from my experience so i was uh started dancing in vegas when i left I went to school at UC Santa Cruz, got pushed out because I couldn't afford it. So I went home and I was like, I'm going to make money being a stripper and return to school, blah, 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 blah. Um, that's not, I, I went ah, home, became a stripper. stripper narrative. <laughs> Dancing to pay for college. <laughs> you know, here we are. Um, and I never made it back to Santa Cruz. Um, I did end up graduating from somebody somewhere else. But anyways, I did, I did start stripping. And um, it was not at all what I had expected. Um, Vegas and San Francisco are pretty similar in the fact that like the the strip club experience is very, um, you know, I was thinking like music videos, movies, I'm going to go in there, I'm going to be shaking my ass, people are going to be throwing money, we're going to be popping bottles, it's going to be a great time. My experience was actually like, the clubs in Vegas and the clubs in San Francisco are very much like you have to talk to the customer and try to get them into like a private room or a champagne room and get like private dances and stuff. Um, that's where the money is. It's not like people just making a rain in the club out there. So because I have to talk to men instead of just dance for them, you, I just would, they would just speak in, in, I don't know if y'all have ever heard men speak, but they just, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Um, you know, I would always get like, I would always get just guys being like, ah, you know, just come be my girl and you don't have to do this no more. And you're too pretty to be in here dancing. You should be modeling and you should be doing this. And, and, you know, it's giving very much like Drake whispering to you, like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to champagne poppy. Exactly. Like, I'm going to come take care of you. It's like, Drake, no, you're not. You're lying. You're a liar. You said this to everybody. That's why all of your songs are named after different women. Like, let's <laughs> get it together. Um, you know, and it was also like, also, it's a very, um, you know, I mean, racism is everywhere. And <laughs> the strip club is not exempt from that, right. And so I would also get, um, I'd also have a lot of like, incredibly racist experiences where like, the first time I ever even went to audition at a club, I like walked in, I was like, hi, I want to audition for like, da, 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 da. Can I talk to the manager? The manager comes out and was like, hi, it's nice to meet you, but we're not hiring any more black girls. And I was like, 
okay, I, I, you know, what are you, what, what are you supposed to say to that? Um, what are you supposed to do? And, um, you know, it's like when things happen at jobs that are not strip clubs, you know, people are like, I could tell my manager, I could tell HR, I can, you know, write an email. But when racist shit happens at a strip club, people do not care (laughs) at all. And they're going to look at you like, girl, okay. And, um, but I had really racist managers and it was just, it was really hard to like, juggle these like I have like all of these politics I have all of these things um I'm here to make money I don't want a boyfriend I don't want all these things um and then like but these are the experiences that I'm getting so that's really where the poem came from it was like I'm here to work (laughs) stop talking to me and give me my money like you're doing all of this um you're here to get a dance I'm here to receive the money for the dance why are we why are we doing all this why like how did all of this come into this experience right um so that's really where the poem came from just like that wasn't my expectation at all um it wasn't my expectation at all and and so yeah I wrote that poem and that's and that's that yeah, uh, I I definitely urge you all to to check it out. Um, but yeah, it reminded me of Zola because um, what what you see it's a it's a, I highly recommend it. Um, but it's like what you see is that like no one was looking out for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zola, I mean, it's in a lot of ways it's it's a it, there are a lot of comedic moments, um, but there's like this silent horror happening because. Um, Zola ends up on this ride with this random person that she met that she thought it would be fun, exciting. Like she had these, um, these kind of uh, preconceived notions of, of like, I'm just going to go dance. It's going to be chill. I'm going to make some money and it'll be, it'll be fine. But what she finds is that it's um, she's tricked into some kind of like human trafficking situation and and then it just like devolves from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only person that is keeping Zola safe is Zola herself. Uh, and I connect. I connected that to that. You know, just uh, just as being a, a black woman. You know, you have to be your own doctor, your own lawyer, your own nutritionist before you even have any of this. These kind of. Um, you know, support because, you know, science is not always thinking about us. Uh, the economy is not always thinking about us. We, we have to find ways to make a life for ourselves and, and which was what you were trying to do in, in paying for school or, or just continuing with your goals. Um, that was a way to make money. And, um, that's also, um, uh, in P Valley as well. Um, mm-hmm. also a really great movie, a really great, uh, play and, and TV show, um, also recommend it. Um, and, uh, I guess I, I don't know what, what, what my, what my point is, but just that, like, I, I, I love the spirit behind it and I just wanted to, to, to know more about it. Um, but, but how does that tie in with you being an influencer, uh, a twerking <laughs> influencer? Absolutely. Um, so I, I, man, I have been shaking ass even before I was, um, before I was stripping. And I remember like there, there's just been times where I have found myself just, how did I get in this position to be shaking ass? I've like, there was like this potted tree one time at this party and here I am in the tree shaking ass. I've been on top of speakers. I've been like just everywhere. And I'm like, wow, this is actually like, 
I really, this is something I really enjoy doing. Um, and I keep finding myself in like these weird situations doing it. Um, and also it's, it's, it's happening every day, all the time. I mean, you can ask pages. I just be, <laughs> they just be minding their business And here. I come in the living room and I'm like, all right, it's time. Um, but I think really what, what happened was, um, through dancing, through stripping, and then through this twerk class called Free the Cheeks in Oakland, um, put on by these two sisters named Breezy and Bobby. They're super amazing. Um, they do like these twerk classes. And uh, what we talk about a lot in the class is just kind of like reconnecting to the body um, and and really just like reclaiming our sexuality, right? Because um, as as Black people, um, as Black women, as people who have been socialized as Black women, um, you know, we're very overtly sexualized all of the time, um, even when we're not doing anything sexual. And I think twerking is is not inherently sexual. I mean, I don't know how many of y'all listening have twerked before, but it's it's a lot of fucking work. It's a very, it's an exercise. It's not easy. It's not easy. It's not. It's a, it's a workout, okay? It's a workout. And like, yeah, sure, it can be sexual. It can be cute. It can be sexy, all of the things. But also it's like this really great way to interact with your body. Um, And so through that, I don't know, I just kind of like, kind of just have been I I feel like I've been a little MIA mo- mostly because of the pandemic but I've been like you know known for in like my circles and in my groups of friends and and people that know me for for twerking and like you know encouraging other people to just like you know move their body and like also just yeah like understanding that this is this is movement that is not inherently sexual that this is movement even if you want it to be sexual like is a powerful way to engage with your body. Um, and so that's really kind of like, I, I mean, I've taught a class here or there and um, I was doing a lot of shows with um, The Sweet Spot, which is the the burlesque show um, that Pages was working with um, throughout the, pan- the beginning of the pandemic um, when people were on IG every day on IG live every day, you know, is doing a lot of, of shows there and talking about twerking and, and, and again, reclaiming your body and reclaiming your sexuality. And that's, that's really, that's really kind of how it happened. Wow. This is amazing. So I, I have to have you back on um, another time. Uh, both of you are uh, both amazing. Um, uh, this is great. I want to get into your, your poetry um, is free the cheeks on uh, Zoom? Do they, are they doing Zoom or is it just uh, for for those listening, um, maybe on the East Coast or, or wherever? Mm-hmm. Uh, can people check it out? Yeah, or I, sign up. I think that they're back doing in person classes, um, but I would double check um, their their Instagram is free the cheeks, and if it's okay. it's either one word or it's free dot the dot cheeks. Um, I, I, I don't remember which one, but if you search free the cheeks, you should find breezy and Bobby. Okay. All right. Um, so we're going to, uh, we're going to shift into your, your poetry. Um, before we do that, cause then we'll, we'll, we'll just cut. So pages where, where can people find you? 
Or do you want uh, to be found? Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm on Twitter. If you put my name, Paige is my Tom, P-A-G-E-S-M-A-T-A-M. I'm on Twitter at P-A-G-E-S-O-F-L-E. That's Pages of L-E. Or go on my website, pagesmytom.com. Uh, if you need uh, if you need some script consultant, you need a, a Very poet, good writer. He's a great need, writer. Services, you need a a performer. I got you, fam. I'm available for uh, for 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 bar mitzvahs, uh, (laughs) girls' night out, girls' night in, boys' night out, boys' night in, whatever you know, say non gender, whatever. I'm available for all of the things. Holla at me, talk to me, but let's also have just dope conversations and, and, and all that jazz. Yeah, nice. Okay, Tiana, where can people find you? Yeah, I'm Quasar's Temple on Twitter and Instagram. That's Q-U-A-S-A-R-S-T-E-M-P-L-E. Quasar's Temple. Um, and yeah, you can you can hit me up for workshops, twerking workshops, writing workshops. You can hit me up for um, commission poems. I also um, just completed a doula training. So I'm looking to- oh, great. Take on clients, um, you know, if you're pregnant, trying to become pregnant, know somebody that's pregnant. Um, yeah. yeah. My my son was a home birth, so oh. I, I, I uh, very much uh, needed my, my doula. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm so grateful to her. Amazing. Amazing. I love a, I love a home birth. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So who wants to go first? I guess I can go. Um. <laughs> Madame Tiana. Yes. Um, so I'm reading a poem called A List of People Who Did Not Kill Me. Um, I think that's probably all the context I want to give to the poem. Um, a list of people who did not kill me. We are all here today, not because what does not kill us makes us stronger, but because what does not kill us does not kill us. Sam Sachs. One, I am alive because a man chose not to kill me, or I am alive because his friends chose not to let him. Anyhow, somewhere I am the joke in the smoke session or the car on the way to the function or at the pickup game. A, you remember when you kicked that bitch in the face? Knocked her ass out. Dumb hoe thought she could say no. Their laughs, unlatched coffins. My unconscious body summoned by their banter rolls out again underneath their feet. Two, I am alive because a man chose not to kill my mother or because my mother hit back. Anyhow, my father says I was made out of love. I know my anger to be birthed from his knuckles. 
Body birthed through split lip and blue bruise. Our blood always swearing up with my veins, trying to extinguish all the breath in my lungs. Three, I am alive because I put the razor blade down or because my ex finally showed up for me. Anyhow, everyone says I'm happy you're here. For months I wake up in rage, asking the earth and sun to clock out, surrender even, ask the stars to wheel me into a black hole, even ask God to adopt me. Some days, when a knife glistens too bright, I search for his signature. Four, I am alive because my mother did not pray hard enough or because God does not believe in us anyhow. Thank you. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. Pages. All right. Oh man. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. Love that poem. Uh, this is a poem I um it's a uh it's not a I like to refer to this poem as it's it's, it's both a coming out and a coming out party. And it's entire on learning the language of loving your own body. Your body speaks in wind, both violent and gentle in a sway that can shatter the soul or soothe the lightning beneath it so breathe. Even in these moments when it seems like life is missing, but you, you are no amber. Stay alert to yourself, all of the love and fire that you become. You are as essential as a poem living inside of your body, a free verse. Because when every day becomes a battle spilling from the blood-dazzled mouth of greed and laws and oils and bones and flags and shells and triggers and borders and the countless unnamed heroes who swallow it all for us and spit us out a charred rainbow, I swallowed once too. And he, he called it a poem, and she, she called it a clusterfuck, and they, funny enough, they are the ones who came out a birthing of awesome and fine and a new glow. And I told them, make a song of your name as I have made of yours. Do not go quiet or gentle. Live in all of your loud, because this world will feed on silence and call it mercy. But for some of us, poetry is how we cope with the aftermath, and for others, poetry is the weapon of choice for survival. It is a time machine, a selfish dimension. It is where our intuition goes to grow a garden or just look at the sky and say, wow, I did that. I'm the one who taught the universe all the kinky ways to achieve a big bang. I kissed the sun and said, let me cook for you. So I stirred an ocean full and the earth began to bend over, showed me what it's working with. And we worked and worked and worked until the work became a bouquet of Jonquils, sometimes you gotta gift yourself flowers. Let the buzz of your own touch pollinate your skin with a dance that reminds you why you are still alive and say, wow, you did that. Wow, I did that. Thank you. Oh my goodness, thank you so much. Uh, so we'll see you next week. I'm Yomi Coco. Keep your lamplight trimmed and burning. Bye.